Hello, welcome to the My Entertainment World podcast. We're back after a long hiatus from the original My TV podcast, which ended a couple years ago. And one of our senior writers, Rachel, who actually collaborated with me on the Buffy Angel special on that, um, is back to talk a little bit about about film and television in our first episode. So welcome, Rachel, calling in from L.A. Hi, Kelly. Hi. So what do you want to talk about? Well, so I feel like a lot of times when I'm writing, I end up writing about the super serious shows like Mad Men and Game of Thrones, and I never really get a chance to talk about the comedies that are just consistently knocking it out of the park every week. Fair. So it'd be cool to get a chance to talk about that. Can we start with New Girl? Because that's I'm completely and utterly obsessed with New Girl. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, I remember writing that article when I, what I wrote about the pilot and being like, you know, it's trying too hard and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, thank God I included that last paragraph where I was like, but it might be good. Um, because now I feel like a moron. It's just like, it consistently <laughs> one of my favorite shows. But you TV. know what? I didn't, when I, when it first came out, I didn't like the pilot of the Big Bang Theory. And now it's like the biggest thing in the world. But I wrote a ho- whole article about how all the new sitcoms are really mediocre. <laughs> well, I think it takes a while for you to fall in love with the characters and therefore they, for the humor to stop feeling mean. Like... Well, especially with the Big Bang Theory. Like, the first episode, it feels like they're just mocking the geeks. And since you don't like the geeks either, it just feels like making fun of people for the sake of making fun of people. Yeah. But New Girl, oh my god. Like, okay, so I was never a Zoe Deschanel fan. I wasn't one of those crazy girls who hates her just because all the boys like her, because that's so angering. But I've just sort of always been apathetic to her. I liked... 500 Days of Summer, but I liked it because of Joseph, not because of her. And yes, I call everyone by their first name. Um, and, well, we're old friends, me and Joseph, because of uh, Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, I mean, that was a very formative moment in my life as well. So I guess that means that me and Joseph are buds. It, it, it does, because then you also grew up with him, like, ten things. Like, he's just he's just around. Did you watch Third Rock? I feel like that's what I always think of. I I didn't watch Third Rock, no. But I am watching The X's, and that totally counts. Well, yeah, that's almost the same thing. Well, um, it has Kristen Johnson on it, and it's got Donald Faison, so it's like watching Scrubs, and it's got What's-His-Face, the guy, so it's like watching Seinfeld. Which guy? Um, Newman. I was going to say Newman. Um, I have not seen The X's. Is it any good? No, it's terrible and it's funny um it's on tv land um i can safely say it's better than hot in cleveland (laughs) well that's high praise well it well it's it's mediocre praise (laughs) certainly but um it's not it's not truly horrendous it's about kristen johnson um the tallest woman in the world (laughs) she is a divorce lawyer but like an amicable divorce lawyer like alicia silverstone and mismatch which was an amazing show. And she has, like, her favorite... She has an apartment across the hall from her apartment where there's some silly backstory about her fiancé leaving her and they have two apartments. And so she fills it with her favorite clients um, because they have to move out of their houses because they're getting divorces, divorced and, they're you know, the wives always keep the house. And uh, so she's got these three guys living across the hall that were her divorce clients. Um, and one's like That's the, a cool concept. It's kind of it's it's not a bad concept. She's really great on the show. She's got this annoying tiny 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 assistant, and the whole joke is how tiny she is. Um, 
And then the three guys, like, Donald Faison's always great and always has been. He was awesome on Clueless. Like, he's just great. And he, um, yeah, he plays, like, the cool guy, Phil. I think he's a sports agent. And then there's, like, the schmoopy nice guy who's the new one who I don't know his name. And then um, then there's, like, the Newman guy who never leaves the couch and is really creepy. And recently he bought a coffin and just kept it in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> like, you might, you might like it. I mean, you, you'd be aware of its mediocrity, but you might like it. Well... Well, let's talk about the non-mediocre new girl. <laughs> yes, sorry, I digress. That's a good segue I just did, in case you're curious. I'm um, really impressed with your segue. But, okay, never, no. Although I've loved the second half of New Girl season, I liked the first half, but I've loved the second half, I really did not like that episode where Nick thought he had cancer. Yeah. Um, Is that yeah, I thought that was okay. I don't I don't know. Jake Johnson had talked about it in a conference call that I had done, so I was sort of prepared for that storyline. Well, so, like, I didn't even mind the storyline. I just felt like the rhythms were so off, but they didn't feel fully in control of how off. Like, you know how some shows, you know, like, I don't know, Community, can do a whole episode that doesn't feel like any of the other episodes, and you sort of go with it because you you feel like they're doing this on purpose. And it's not that I think that they, like, stumbled into messing up the rhythms of New Girl, but I just didn't feel like they they fully understood how to work within the new rhythms. Yeah, well, and I understand that, because, like, my favorite community episode is Messianic Myths and Ancient Peoples, mm-hmm. and it is nothing like community. It's so much more almost, like, weirdly intense, and it's yeah. really, it's great, because they're always playing with genre, and so they're... Well, they have these really good rhythms, that whole cast is able to work in different ways all the time. So the relationships are always changing. So, like, you could even see, like, Troy and Abed still worked well together even when they de-whimsified themselves and they were playing basically different characters. I feel like they were better. I'm not better, but, you know, like, it was really fun to get to watch. Um, whenever Abed gets to be normal, I'm always like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because Danny Pudi's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, also amazing is uh, Donald. What's his name? Donald Glover? Yeah, Donald Glover. Um, I, every time I accidentally say Danny Glover. Another Angels in America shout out. Or Angels in the Outfield, not America. That's bad. That's a weeds conversation. That's true. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, Donald Glover's amazing. My favorite weird his him moment was in 30 Rock, actually. When um, there, there was something about diversity on the network, and Liz, uh, Jack goes, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to remember the name of the black guy on Community, because... He the, wrote 30 Rock? Yeah, because he was, and I, it was an old episode, so I think, I think he was writing, oh no, it was, he was because he was on Community. So, yeah, so he was like, he's their friend, and I thought that was great. I think I might secretly hate Donald Glover, though, because he's so friggin' successful, and he started it while he was, like, in college. <gasps> okay, anybody who anybody who starts when they're in college freaks me out. Right? Like, every day I remember that I'm the same age as Taylor Swift, and I have a meltdown. Dude, try being older than Taylor Swift. It's really rough. And friggin', I'm sort of in love with Jennifer Lawrence right now, and every oh. time I remember that she's four years younger than me, I kind of want to die. She's four years younger than you? No, she's 21. Three and a half. Oh, I always forget how much older than me you are. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, no, the, it bugs me a lot that Jennifer Lawrence is younger than me. Um, yeah, a lot, actually, because she's so cool. Um, whereas Kristen talented. Stewart feels younger than me because she's whiny. 
the, yeah, true. But she's got her smart Alec boyfriend, who I like, even though he's not that cute, but, um, but he's smart and stuff, and I like him. Um, anyway, we were talking about New Girl. Anyway, oh, so what, one of the weird things, yeah, I, I sort of agree with the rhythms. It'd be interesting, we should probably look up who wrote it, because if that was their first episode, that can happen sometimes, where a writer just doesn't quite get the voices, but um, I think, weirdly, my favorite episodes so far have been ones with Cece, which is really unexpected. But I also have a tendency to, like, defend the pretty girl, you know? So. Anna Simone has been a, uh, like, an unexpected delight. Who? What's her name? Hannah Simone. Oh, I thought you said Nina Simone. I'm like, that's not who that is. Yes, that's singer lady. Um, <laughs> No, but I just feel like, you know, in the first episode, she's basically there so that Schmidt will be like, oh my god, no, 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 no. And yeah, to just basically you know, get get her into the apartment. Schmidt. What was that? Yeah, I said she's there basically just so Jess can get to move in. Right. Yeah. And then Schmidt just sexually harasses her for the first five. <laughs> and, um, I really like, I really like her and Schmidt in the way of like, I'm not like shipping it. I don't feel like, they can never break up, I love them. But like, I just, I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think they're great. I mean, Max Greenfield is just the greatest thing. And I, I mean, this is one of those things where you sort of get weirdly territorial, and I'm sure Veronica Mars fans and Ugly Betty fans are all doing this, where they're just like, but I've loved him for years, which is what I do with Ty Burrell, which is so not fair at all. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, uh, but Max Greenfield is hilarious and he like if they had cast anybody else's schmidt it would not have worked but i read an interview with him and he was saying that the the key that thing that he did was that he never played him as a douchebag because he's a really earnest guy and i think that's what's so cool about him is he's just like trying to be the weirdly best he can be and i think i I think that at this point um the like one D-bag uh, player friend is becoming a cliche where, like, that's just something that all young adult hangout comedies need to have. Um, and, I mean, I think it was kind of perfected by How I Met Your Mother, you know, like, where that's the one you end up rooting for. But lots and lots of this character have just, like, failed um, because that's really not that endearing of a person. And the reason why Neil Patrick Harris and Max Greenfield are so good in the role is because they both are just so sweet. Like, it's hard to hate these people when they're so sweet. And the way that Max Greenfield has made it is just he's a big old ball of vulnerability all the time. Yeah. And normally I hate the whole, he used to be fat. uh, Oh, I totally get it for him. Right. Totally get it. Normally, it seems cheap, but with him, it just feels authentic. Well, like, also, if he if he looked like, for example, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting all? Oh, he if he looked like Nick, for example, where he's sort of just like normal looking and you know whatever, it wouldn't have worked. But because he looks like Max Greenfield, where he's very clearly worked really hard at that yeah. body, that's a real thing. There are a lot of people who are really ripped who it's because it's in reaction to their childhood. There was a girl in my elementary school class who was like the chubby girl. And now she's literally a bodybuilder because like, it just wow. bugged her so much that that's what she did was she became a bodybuilder. And so like, I feel like that's a really honest story. Whereas if like he used to be fat and now he just looks normal, that's not a thing because that's just not how metabolisms work. Yeah. So, 
you know, I, you know, I, I really like it for him. And I, I think, well, I just think he's the, he's, and his comic timing is just so wonderful. And I loved, I loved this week what they did bringing the douchebag thing back because it sort of slipped through the cracks a little bit. Um, the sort of douchebag angle on him because he'd been with CC and he obviously loves CC and so that sort of had gone away. And I love what they're doing with Nick and how he just like is incapable of being that douchey. Like he's like, but I just slept with her. I have feelings for her. The, the whole scene where he was just when they were like laying in bed and he was incapable of even lying to fake Schmidt like yeah. troll. It was great. I'm really excited to see where Nick's gonna go because I feel like they've been they've been laying a lot of groundwork um, for him sort of taking his life in his own hands and like I don't want him to do it too fast or anything, but um, I definitely think that there's a lot that could go on there that could be really good um, and. Let me just say, though, you know, every other week besides maybe this most recent week, I would say that Schmidt was the MVP. You know who Winston in the most recent episode? Winston. Winston. <laughs> Winston. I know. So he's su- he is such a tricky character because, I mean, who doesn't love Damon Wayans Jr.? And oh, yeah. I liked Coach a lot. I thought that was sort of a funny angle um, that he talked to women. Like, he talked to his clients. I thought that was fun. And then, you know, it's really hard to be the weird replacement guy, and it felt very much like, ooh, we're swapping black dudes, and, like, yep. it just made no sense. And he's he's done a really good job, and th- you're right, this episode, he just stepped it up. <laughs> it was I mean, amazing. that whole speech, like, I just, I can't even pick out my favorite part. I mean, I love his gay lover character, but, like, I mean, I loved him telling off uh, Jess and telling her that he hears her during the day and, like, just ending it with because I'm going to eat cereal. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah. Saturday is for sleeping. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he, he's great. And he's really been sneaking up on me. He's had a couple, like, highlight moments. I loved him singing Wicked in the Car. I mean, that was just such a, here, Kelly, here's your new favorite character. We want you and to love also, him. And like, such a testament to Lamorne Morris, because, like, I'm sure I'm saying his first name wrong, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and with another actor, that would have felt stupid. Like, oh, funny, he likes show tunes. But because he just played it so, like, yep, <laughs> yeah. that's what I sing when I'm alone in my car. It just, I don't know, he sells it really well. And, I mean, here's the thing about the macho guys, right? <laughs> We know a couple of them that are things like frat boys and marines and stuff, and they've got their secret lives on the stage. So, like, a lot of them do that. My best friend is a jazz drummer, and he, uh, in the car, he just, like, belts. He's really into Andrew Lloyd Webber. And he just, he won't listen to this. It's fine. Um, And he just, like, will belt out these ridiculous, like, he'll sing the girl part. When we're doing, when we're doing Wicked, he's always Glinda. Straightest guy alive. Like, he just, you know, it, it, that's a, a macho boy thing. Sometimes they have these weird moments of solitude wherein they are. Um, okay, be as ridiculous as possible. Show, show toony. Let's call it that. So okay. speaking of Damon Wayans Jr., let's move on to talking about happy endings. Because I think that they're having probably one of the best second seasons of all time. Oh, they totally are. Because season one was so, it was fine. I liked Perfect Couples better. Um, and so I was sort of sad when all the other, um, sort of fake friends shows got canceled and happy endings was the only one that stayed. And I was really surprised. I was like, this is a really weird show. And season two, they're so different. And every time I'm talking about this show, I always bring it back to this thing you once told me on the phone, like months and months and months ago. Um, about, cause I remember everything you say. 
And it was about how the difference is that How I Met Your Mother is, is, well, at least used to be, a reflection of real friendship and how you interact with your friends and you want to hang out with these people. And even, like, the crazy over-the-top Barney is someone that you're like, okay, I see it. Like, my brother sometimes thinks he's Barney. He went as him for Halloween, which basically meant wearing a suit and hitting on girls. Pretty much every guy I know thinks they're Barney at this point. <laughs> exactly. My mother's friends, like, yell, suit up, and, like, talk uh, about the thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I then, just got for my birthday with a bunch of people who all insisted on suiting up for my birthday. And I was like, oh, good. Okay. That's funny. I mean, there's International Suit Up Day and whatnot. And I, I love Barney, but... The thing you said was that it was, they're like your friends. And the friends were like your friends, the original ones. And then Happy Endings is like a live action cartoon. Yeah. And uh, that's so true. They have like a kernel of truth to them. You know, like everyone knows someone who's a little over the top or who's a little lazy or, you know, whatever. Um, But Happy Endings is just a joke machine. Like it doesn't, it doesn't aim to be even new girl wants to be like truth it wants to tell you a story about growing up oh and it so does right and the happy endings honestly the characters could never change and it wouldn't ruin the authenticity of the show in fact the characters really shouldn't change i don't think i don't need to see alex get smart i don't want to see i mean penny could maybe find a boyfriend and i wouldn't be upset but she doesn't need to stop being like penny Um, And Max doesn't need to stop being lazy. Like, there's no need for these characters to ever change. Whereas if How I Met Your Mother ended with Barney being like, oh, I'm still just going to be getting bimbos, and Ted being not married, and, you know, Robin just shooting things, like, I would feel (laughs) like I had been lied to. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, I'd be really sad if they changed the uh, uh, Happy Endings characters, because they really feel like, it's all, yeah, it's like watching The Simpsons. If Bart ever made it to the fifth grade, it'd be really weird. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, but I think last night might have been my favorite episode so far. Or not last night, last week, because there's one tonight. Might have been my favorite episode where they did the, the escalating lie with the waitress from Always Sunny. Oh, yeah, that was pretty great. Mary something. I don't know. I don't know, but she's great. She was, she was on Perfect Couples, the sadly departed show I liked too much. She's but, also on um, New Girl. Is she? Yeah, she was Nick's uh, girlfriend who broke up with him in the beginning. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she's everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was funny on Always Sunny this year. She took E and then had, like, a beautiful night with Charlie, and it made me laugh. Yes, I remember. I was so sad the next morning when she was, like, <laughs> freaking out and asking if he took advantage of her. Yeah, oh, but that was so funny. I mean, it was just great because it's a great explanation of who Charlie is when he's like, no, we played with class. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, see, that show every once in a while, because I liked that storyline, then I hated everything else about that episode. So, like, it, so it comes and goes with my love of that show. But anyway, she, yeah, she, she's funny. She's great. But uh, I, I love that episode of Happy Endings. And sometimes Adam Pauly is just a little much for me. Um, but I particularly loved him with his way-too-good-for-him super-cute boyfriend. That oh was great. That was great. I really wish they hadn't gotten rid of Grant. I get that it's like the unspoken rule of sitcoms that when you ha- aren't going to sign someone for a long arc, they come for three episodes. But like, I I feel like Max works better when he's not on all cylinders, you know? Yeah. And it's why I like when he's paired up with Alex, because him and Alex just have such a strange chemistry that like I think it calms him down in a weird way. Yeah, he has to be because smart. Penny's not good for him. <laughs> Yeah, Penny's not good for him, which is too bad because um, 
Casey Wilson and Adam Hill have a good chemistry. It's just that the writers then go like, and this is way too crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my favorite, though, honestly, is Eliza Coop because I just think she's, I mean, I loved her on Scrubs. Which nobody loved late scrubs, but I really loved late scrubs. And the guy from Dave Franco. (laughs) Yeah, Dave Franco. And um the guy, he's on Pan Am now. That guy whose name I can't remember. He was great too. So I I really like late scrubs. And uh yeah, no, he he's hilarious. Um and Eliza Coop is just, like, my favorite person ever. And I love her with Damon Wayans, because I think Brad's just, like, the most amazing Brad character. Brad's such a great character. Like, I love when he was holding up the, the baby clothes and going, who is he fooling? He's not a black belt, he's a baby! Yeah, I love that, too. He, I mean, that's what's so great about both of them, Eliza Koo and Damon um, Wayans Jr., because they just... They... They manage to make every line hilarious. Like, yeah. sometimes I don't necessarily like that character, uh, Jane, quite as much as I like some of the other characters, because, I don't know, I, the over-the-top, like, obsessive-impulsive woman thing kind of bores me, um, but she's so good that it never bores me like it should. Like, well, she's just so funny that I'm like, okay, And what I'll I love over. about them as a couple is that, yeah, she's a crazy control freak, and I don't really know what his angle is so much, but... When it comes down to it, they're both, like, these weirdly happy people. Mm-hmm. Like, they just, like, they got really excited over the baby clothes. And, you know, they're just really sort of happy. And yeah. um, they find a lot of joy in these tiny, stupid things. And I think they're just, like, a really great couple. And they work well together. And I love that that's a thing. Because Lily and Marshall weren't nearly as good after they got married. And that was really sad. And yeah. so, and that that was just a writing issue, quite simply, because season one and two were much better than seasons three and on. But, like, I love that there's a married couple that is the funniest thing, in my opinion, about their show. And I think that, you know, since Mad About You, there hasn't really been a, a married couple that's quite that happy and functional and fun and stuff like that, and, and are able to be funny. I think... Um, with Jane and Brad versus Lee and Marshall, that's partially a function of the differences we were discussing earlier. Like, because we don't need to see Jane and Brad get have a baby. We don't need to see Jane and Brad, you know, settle into a new life. Like, we're perfectly content as a viewing audience to be like, continue being this odd couple that plays weird sex games and has a drawer. Like, you know, we're totally cool with that. We don't need to see them grow as human beings. And so because of that, they're allowed to just be fun all the time. Whereas I think How I Met Your Mother, for both good and bad, like I think some of the highs of later season How I Met Your Mother has come from the fact that it wants its characters to grow up so much. Absolutely. But it also means that often they don't know what to do with Lily. And I think that has really hurt the character of Lily because there was nowhere really for her to grow. Um because she was already, I mean, aside from the first season when she needed to get over her, like, art issues. Um, but she started out really well-adjusted. Right. So, like, Marshall's had to go through a lot, and so he's had, like, an arc, and partially that's just because they wanted to keep Jason Siegel interested in the show. But, um, <laughs> you know, Lily doesn't have that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why Marshall and Lily, one of the many reasons why Marshall and Lily kind of pale in comparison with someone who's just fun, like Brad yeah. and Jane. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, because... When I think about the later seasons of How I Met Your Mother, there aren't 
like the 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 sort of shiny moments from the first couple seasons were these laugh out loud hilarious things that stick with you like Robin and Barney going out on bros night and playing laser tag and uh, Robin sparkles and when Marshall and Barney did the practical jokes of the office like all this stuff mm-hmm. and in the later seasons the stuff that really sticks out to me Marshall's dad's funeral uh, the the episode when Robin found out she was infertile. Like, those are the things that really stick out to me as the great moments of How I Met Your Mother. And, like, weirdly, when um, Barney is, like, in the hospital having run across town to get Ted, and mm-hmm. there's that amazing moment with him and Robin that you first sort of start to see it. Like, but those are all weirdly dramatic moments, and that's when they were... I think the strength of late season How I Met Your Mother has been its ability to marry, like, really legitimate and hard truths with comedy. So, like, you know, Marshall, uh, one of the things I really liked, although they've kind of undone this since he's become an environmental lawyer in the past couple seasons, but was, like, when he decided to sell out for a while, I really liked that. It felt very true to what most people have to do. Most people don't get to pursue their dreams. Like, that's not thing that everyone gets to do. And so I really liked that. And even like Robin's, um, I mean, everything, I, everything about Robin this season, I've pretty much loved, um, even as she's made really stupid decisions. Um, no stupid decisions are great. They're human. And she's felt so, I mean, Robin, Robin, the writing of Robin has improved like tenfold every season to the point where she used to be my least favorite. And now she's by far my favorite character. And and I think they basically need to Robinify Ted. I think Ted's been really held back by the fact that he hasn't... I hate saying this, because I feel like unimaginative people say this, but um, by the fact that he hasn't met the mother, like, so he's in constant stunted growth mode. Like, and, and more so even than Barney. Like, when you think about it, Barney's come so much further from pilot to now than Ted has. Well, I think that's because when they started the show, they were expecting one, maybe two seasons. And mm-hmm. that's why both Lily and Ted, who are the characters who were the most okay starting out, you know, they weren't screwed up. Yeah. And I think all they needed to do was Lily needed to remember that she loves Marshall and Ted needed to find the mother. And th- that was all they had to do in their lives. Um, because they were, they were there otherwise. And I think it's just gone on too long. And the, the benefit of it going on too long is, I mean, Marshall aside, cause whatever, but the other two, Robin and Barney specifically, who were specifically a type of character that was supposed to foil the others, mm-hmm. they've, because of the extra time, they've been like, okay, I guess we're going to change them because we don't have anyone else to change. Yeah. But on the other hand, like what you were saying with Lily, Ted, this, it's the same thing. His next big life change is going to be the mother. And, like, because yes. Stella left him at the altar and it barely affected him. Like, sometimes they bring it up, but as a they fundamental character thing... It, did, it didn't do anything. And, you know, he had this big career change and didn't do anything. And Well, so I was actually going to say I like the career change just because, sort of for the same reason I liked when Marshall couldn't be an environmental lawyer. I felt like, you know, Ted was always this guy who was like, I'm going to change the face of New York City. And now it's like, I'm going to teach about the face of New York City. And it, I, I think, I believe in the um, writers enough to believe that, like, they're going to do, that's, because so far, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of showing how that's, like, a step down for him and allowed him to be more of a D-bag. And um, Josh Radner's actually been kind of kicking it up a notch this season, like, humor-wise. He hasn't really gotten a lot of dramatic beats to play, but, um, well, that's not true. The recent stuff with Robin, which I loved. 
Yeah, I love that too. I thought that was great. I just thought it was such a nice end, which I pray to God it is sort of an end. Yeah, I hated Marshall's line. I think that was so unhelpful. But I think I just told you my take on that. But I honestly think that I hope at least that that's going to be more of a callback when he does meet the mother, because that'll be when Marshall will finally pay it. Yeah, hopefully, because that that story has been beaten, and I think they needed the closure, but. It didn't I, yeah, I liked the closure a lot. At first, I was like, oh, my God, not this again, because I don't really care. No, I and liked it. Like, it's so obvious to me that it's Robin and Barney that, like, it just feels dumb. To pretend okay, like. but I'm slightly worried now that they're going to keep, like, do they have an actual end date, or is it just a, we're going to renew you for two more seasons, and then we'll see? Because... Oh, I've read interviews with the, with Carter, what are their names? Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. Thank you. Um, and I feel like they have a secret plan. I hope they have a secret plan. Well, because here's my question, because if it's going for another couple seasons, then that girl at the wedding is probably Becky Newton. And yeah. from the minute I saw that, I was like, it's Barney's, it's Barney's wedding and it's going to be Robin. It has to be. And because that's the only way this happens. They're obviously end game. Like there's no other way to do this. Yeah. And, um, but I feel like if they're going to keep going, which they absolutely should not be doing, yeah, then they're going to do something silly. Like, have it be Becky Newton, who's – they're clearly going down. Like, I thought after Nora, we could just sort of – like, Barty could go back to being a douchebag for a while, and then we could finally get into the Robin thing and have it be okay. But they keep giving him these girls – who are sort of worthy of his time. And they're sort of bugging me because I like the idea that it was Robin and it was just Robin who would sort of make him change. From a realism perspective, though, I sort of like that. So, like, Robin and Barney couldn't be together when they started off because it killed what made them both interesting. And that was both, like, a meta statement, but it was also true. Like, you know, Barney wasn't a mature person yet. He wasn't ready to be able to hang out with one person and know how to hang out with them and enjoy that. And Yeah, I like that they broke up. What? I just I liked that he broke up. They broke up, but it sort of feels like like Nora and Becky Newton's character, whatever her name is, are sort of like the Kennedys. Yeah, but so Becky, this is why I like Becky Newton. I didn't like Nora. I thought she was boring. Um, but I think that it allows him to be able to transition into being in a relationship and being worthy of being with Robin while Robin deals with her own issues so that when they're finally together, it feels more earned. Um, I guess. And I, I mean, I just think that the show, as I said, it's a more realistic look at growing up. So Barney can't just go from zero to 60 because of love of a good woman. Like it, (laughs) it, you know, like he, he needs to grow up and he has been. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, and, and as I said, I still have a lot of faith in the writers. I think that, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but I think this show needs to end within the next, like, not this season, but next season. Um, but I think it's going to. I mean, Jason Siegel's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way he's staying on this show. Mm, that was an overstatement of this is the sort of movie Rachel watches. No, <laughs> So, like, I was sitting in an office the other day, and people were talking about trying to cast a movie, and they were like, well, we need someone like Jason Siegel, like someone who's huge and will bring people into the theater. And I was like, what? When did Jason Siegel get to that level? But apparently he is. Okay. That's interesting. 
Oh, can we take a segue out of TV for a second? Speaking of Jason Siegel being a movie star and talk about the last, the five year engagement. Oh yeah. Because here, here's my quest and I've been on this quest for years and it's to like Emily Blunt. And I just don't, I think she's a decent actress. She was wonderful in the devil wears Prada and she's got the greatest husband you can get. That is true. And I just, and, and I firmly believe that John Krasinski is a smart guy with like, like he wouldn't just arbitrarily like her. I feel that Michael Buble would, which is why I couldn't force myself to like her when he was with her. But John Krasinski, you know, he, he, I firmly in my heart believe that he must think she's the greatest, which leads me to, she must actually be the greatest. But I just, I don't like her. And I saw salmon fishing in Yemen and the main the main metaphor was fishing as faith and I just, I can't stand her. And so I'm really looking forward to the next, the five year engagement because it looks like, like it'll nice be nice to get her in a proper comedy where she's not playing a stiff British person on purpose. Yeah. You know, like that's not her whole character. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that that's the movie like that can convince me. Bureau, what? Sorry. You know, you didn't really like the adjustment bureau, but I thought she was crazy charming in it. See, okay, The Adjustment Bureau was one of those movies, I, I loved the concept. I thought the concept was ingenious, and I was sad that they didn't go as, as far as they should have with it, because it, it should have been a brilliant film, and it was a fine film. And the issue with that, like, she, I thought she was fine, I thought she was inoffensive, as she is as Salmon Fishing with Yemen, in Yemen, not with Yemen, that'd be odd. But, like, Matt Damon, like... How anyone can think anyone is charming when they're standing next to Matt Damon is beyond me. I guess I just felt like she really held her own against him. And like, really? Yeah, I really like her. Um, really? I haven't seen half so much stuff, and I confuse her in my brain with Eva Green, or Ava Green, who I also really like. Who and is so Ava Green? Kind of, who is Ava Green? Um, Ava Green, you know, she was in... Um, uh, well, she was in Casino Royale, but that's not <laughs> where I'm thinking of her from. Um, let me let me find a good one. She's going to be in Dark Shadows, um, which is going to be really funny. She's oh, the girl who I always look at her and think she's Heather Graham. I can see that, except she's not blonde. Well, no, specifically in Dark Shadows. I've no, I don't, I don't really know who she is. But when I've seen that trailer, I always think Heather Graham's back, really. And then they show her from another angle, and I change my mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a very, very vague sense of who she is. But like, I've seen Emily Blunt in tons of stuff, and I've seen that girl in nothing ever. Oh well, well I saw Casino Royale. Casino Royale, and. I was really excited for Golden Compass, even though it ended up sucking. Um, so I was kind of I didn't see that. that. And so I've seen Casino Royale once, but I don't remember it. But um, no, I've seen Emily Blunt a ton of times, and I just, I just don't get it. I don't like her, and I'm really hoping that I will because there's just some. I just, I don't know. I want to like her well, because I believe the in John. Engagement will sell you. Ho- hopefully, I'm hoping it will. It looks funny. Who's the, there's someone playing a sidekick in that who's American and doing an accent. Alex Brie. Yes, that's who it is. And I was, I was watching it and going, I love you. I'm going to watch it just for you. So that's who it was. Alison Brie is amazing. Yeah, she is pretty, pretty She, great. um, speak, like, but speaking of her type, my favorite person ever right now in the world is Ellie Kemper. Like, I'm just completely obsessed with Ellie Kemper right now. She's pretty adorable. She's adorable. And she, like... 
I love that Ellie Kemper got to go to the Oscars. Like, how cool is that? (laughs) She's Ellie Kemper. And when, like, because we were going to talk about The Office, and it's a show where, like, season two ended, and it was never going to be the same, because season two was some of the greatest television ever made. But then, like, and it and it been it's been shifty since, but it's I think it's been had a resurgence since they moved Pam over to sales, which is boring, except that they brought in Ellie Kemper. And I think Aaron is the funniest character and so sweet. And I love her and Andy. And yeah, that's my whole office story. And I think he's a great boss. I think they made exactly the right choice. I definitely think they made the the right choice. Um and I love Aaron. Aaron's great. Um sometimes they play her a little too dumb and I'm like that was unnecessary. They do the same thing with Kevin, though, where I'm like, I, I want you to be dumb, but, like, functional human dumb, not, like... Yeah, but one of Kevin's funniest storylines ever was when somebody cruelly told Holly that he was uh, mentally disabled. That was that was the exact right balance for me, because everything he was saying kind of made sense, you know? Like, yes, I could understand why Holly continued to think he was <laughs> t- uh, mentally handicapped, but... Uh, but everything he said made sense. I don't like the ones where he's like, doesn't understand basic concepts that any functional adult yeah. human would. And that's how I feel about Erin too, is I love her naivete, but I don't like, I, I yeah. So every once in a while they'll throw her a line and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. She knows how the world works. She just doesn't understand it. Like, yeah. I, and I, I love her, but I think, yeah, sometimes when they make them a little too dumb, I'm, but that's a tendency. Uh, I mean, Joey on Friends wasn't dumb at all in the first season, and they were just like, here we go, nosedive. And, uh, like, they completely rewrote the character of Eric on Boy Meets World to make him dumb. Yeah, that one one was disappointing. (laughs) Well, that one was just flat out weird. Like, like if you watch an early episode, they have nothing in common, those two characters. Yeah, I mean, because by the end, he was basically a giant toddler. (laughs) Yeah, except in the episode where they did, like, the fake world, and he was, like, the wise one lives with squirrels. (laughs) Um, But the good good version of going stupid for the sake of comedy was, to go back to happy endings, is what Elijah uh, Elijah Cuthbert, how do you say her name? Cuthbert, I think. Um, I saw her in a Mac store once. I ran away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, well her this season has basically been like the phenomenal version of how to make a character that's not interesting interesting yeah because she wasn't stupid when she started she was just boring yeah she was just like the girl but now she's like oh, <laughs> but she's never fun- like functionally impaired really yeah she's she's just funny dumb and she's funny like she's funny dumb and she's got these other weird things like She's sort of like the Abed in that she's always doing the weird sitcom thing. They did Three's Company this week, and then, or last week, and then um, she's all like she eats a lot, which is yeah. sort of a weird, funny territory that hasn't really been done since Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Um, and I, I for some reason always think that's funny because there are totally those tiny, tiny girls who just eat a lot, and there's something inherently funny about it. Uh, like there's a lot. Like I loved how much she enjoyed being a lesbian last week. Yeah, when she was doing her little Ellen dance, I really liked that. Yeah, yeah. I figured if I'm going to be a lesbian, why not go all the way to the top? Sure. She's a smart girl. So That's funny. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like her. And a, lo- a lot of people are tough on her. They think she's not as funny. Well, I mean, she's not a comedian. The, other, the others are all specifically comic actors. And, you know, she was in The Girl Next Door. 
um, and 24. And, like, she's just... She was a, funny at 24. <laughs> was she? I never watched 24. Just kidding. She wasn't funny at all. She's really annoyed. Well, sometimes, you know, there's that... Re- like, Alias had funny characters, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, no, not her. She was, like, the most annoying part of the first season of 24. Oh, didn't she die? Not in the first season. She might have eventually Oh, died. I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, so that's a, that's a great ensemble. Like, more than anything else, that show, I think they really balance each other well. And I'm so happy Casey Wilson has a job and a job she's really good at because she was really mediocre on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And they always just used her as a straight woman, which I think is so unfair to always cast. Like, Kristen Wiig is repetitive. Once the writers get that in their head it'll be easier for them to cast other women doing other interesting things. Because right now, or at least specifically when Casey Wilson was on the show, was they had, like, Casey Wilson did a lot of setups so that Kristen Wiig could hit it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, you know, if they don't write to her, of course she's not funny. And, then they, and she got fired. So I'm so glad that she's got this part. Because she's really great in the part. She's, like, no one else could play Penny quite as well as she does. So in Bossy Pants, Tina Fey talks about how, like, you know, people would, a woman would freak out if there was a new woman on the cast because they'd be like, how are they going to write two women? And she was like, we write the stuff. Like, of course, we'll just write it. But I kind of think they still do have a lady problem. Like, they they don't really know how to serve both Kristen Wiig and somebody else. And, like, Nassim Pedrad is great. She's my favorite person. Well, she's my favorite woman. Obviously, Taryn Killam is the best person. By far. Also, Amazing Wife. Yes, true. Very amazing wife. <laughs> I remember when I first figured that out, I was like, Jenna, what? Like, that's how she Yeah, that's, that's mind-blowing. You know what I figured out, like, weeks ago? Like, after months of being, like, clued into their lives, weeks ago, I figured out that Ian from My Big Fat Greek Wedding, like, the character Ian, Nia Vardello's Ian, is freaking Ian Gomez. Yeah. Blew my freaking mind. I had no idea because obviously in my head he's John Corbett, right? And if you're picturing John Corbett, the furthest thing away is Nian Gomez, who's like Javier from Felicity. And then, like, what's his name on Cougar Town? I love him on Cougar Town. Andy? Andy. Is that his name? I don't know. Hang on. I don't know, but they're, they're my favorite couple because I just love everything, everything his wife ever does. But, um,. And by his wife, I mean Billboard. We're almost out of time, but, like, how have you liked it since it's come back? What, Cougar Town? Yeah. Okay, I haven't been keeping up as well as I wanted to, but Cougar Town's the sort of show. Pardon me? You're part of the problem. I know, right? Um, But I don't get counted, so it's fine. I live in Canada, yo. But, um, (laughs) but, no, I mean, Andy and Allie are my favorite thing. Like, they're one of my favorite couples on TV, and I think... There are elements of Cougar Town that are great, and the writing isn't as good as it used to be, um, but I love that show, and it's one of those shows where, like, if they cancel it, I'm quite convinced they won't have, like, there won't be a pilot I'll love as much, and it's yeah. not that I'll miss it that much. It's not my favorite show in the world. Like, right now, if they canceled New Girl or Parks and Rec, I'd be devastated, and pretty much any other comedy, I don't really care, but... They we're gonna get lots of angry comments about you not caring about community getting canceled. Oh no, see I, I community's cute. Um, but community's done everything community was gonna do, let's face it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so um but like Cougar so Cougar Town's one of those shows where I'm like, I'll be sad if you go and I don't have faith in the networks to develop something better. But 
you know, a season will go by and I won't miss it anymore. Whereas if they took New Girl away, I would still like, like two years down the line, I'd still be like, why did they take New Girl away? Like there are a couple shows like that where I'm just like really sad about it. Cougar Town, though, does something that no other show is really doing. Like, there's no other shows that are really about, like, adults, people getting on with their lives, you know, like, yeah. Whatever. And I mean, not, it doesn't necessarily speak to me the way that New Girl or How Much Your Mother or Parks and Rec, even, which I don't know why that speaks to me, but it does. <laughs> um, does. But I mean, that's also kind of how I feel about, like, The Middle. I feel like they both just are not like anything else on TV, although I did oh. just start watching Raising Hope, and that is kind of like Raising that. Hope is amazing. It's a great sh- It's so smart. Oh, but one of the reasons I want Cougar Town to stay alive, honest to God, is just Bill Lawrence. I think yeah. he fights so hard for his shows, and that's the sort of guy that you want to have a show. He deserves his show. You yeah. know, let's take the freaking, um, what's the guy's name? The terrible... Uh, he does Mike and Molly and Two and a Half Men and uh, Big Chuck Bang. Chuck Laurie. Chuck Laurie. Let's take one of his friggin' shows away and give it to someone who's, like, well-intentioned and has a hot wife. Because <laughs> I love everything about – what's her name in real life? Ellie Ellie's character. Krista Miller. Krista Miller is my hero. Because I love Jordan, too. Like, I love – I even, like, liked her on the Drew Carey show. Like, I just love everything she, she on the Drew Carey show. I love everything she does. And I just forget her name sometimes. But, um, like, Bill Lawrence is the sort of person who should have his own show. And I like that he does. And I love the people on it. Um, two of them, Grayson and um, Justin Bird's character, I don't remember his name, uh, have been cast in pilots. So hopefully no. – Yeah. So hopefully – that because ABC is such a stupidly run company, but so hopefully they they don't cancel it. But and also, I I'm like this weird. I love that Busy Phillips has a job. I love her. I don't know why, but I've been rewatching Dawson's Creek. As anyone who reads the site has has knows that I've been watching Dawson's Creek in marathon for oh we're going on like five years now because we just like my best friend and I are doing. It, we just never have the time. This is a different best friend than the guy. He's not watching Dawson's Creek with me. But it's a girl. And uh, we've been making our way through for like five years now. And we're on season – we just finished season five. And Busy Phillips saves it. Like it was – season five is dreadful. And Busy Phillips comes in and she plays Audrey and she just saves the show. And her and Michelle Williams are still best friends, which makes me so happy. Yeah, she took her to the Oscars. She takes her to the Oscars every year. Like she took her to the Oscars for Brokeback. personal life though. Um, she is supposedly dating um, Jason Siegel. No, she's not. How cute is that? <laughs> no, oh my god, that's the worst couple I've ever heard of in my entire <laughs> life. No, wait, Michelle Williams and Jason Siegel? Yeah. No, she's so sad all the time. No, but now she won't be because she's hanging out with Jason Siegel. She's so going to break his heart into a hundred pieces. Oh, no. no, that's no, that's ridiculous. Although her best friend is Busy Phillips, so and like she, I think of her as someone who's rather goofy, and well, at least she always plays goofy out there people. And so hopefully, maybe she's secretly like that and just shy. I don't know. That's I don't know how. I, I don't know how someone who could date Jason Siegel could have had like an epic, tragic love affair with Heath Ledger. Like they're just so not in the same brand. Well, that's why it's good. Now she's going to be happy. Wow, that's the funniest, weirdest couple I've ever heard of. I'm really happy about it. I think she's so cute. <laughs> okay. Um, I, see, I, th- I think she can't be with me. 
you can be with her. See, but I think Jason, I sort of think Jason Siegel should be with you. Is what I'm saying. I think sort of think Jason Siegel should be with you. You know, like he's the sort of person. He just sort of needs someone who speaks his language, and I really, there aren't very many people who do. And Michelle Williams well, certainly. You can doesn't. talk to him about telling him to dump Michelle Williams for me. I will. I will. That's likely. Um, but I, I will <laughs> when I when I talk to him. That's what right, I'll do. Good. That's what I'll that's do for good. sure. That's why I moved to Hollywood, pretty much. So you could date Jason Siegel, or so yeah, you could date movie stars. That um, that's funny. Um, oh, oh, okay. So we had said this was going to be 45 minutes and we also said that we were going to spend most of our time talking about one show in particular and it is 48 minutes in and we have not talked about that one show. What show? Community. We talked about Community. Not really. We talked about Ahmed and Donald Lover. That was before the recording started. That was just us chatting. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. So we'll, we'll put a limit on... An hour, um, and we'll hopefully get in under that, and just okay. start with community. First of all, um, I I I said something earlier, but I wouldn't care if it, I would care if they took it away from me. I just wouldn't be traumatized. I'd be really upset if they and AB, NBC is even worse run than ABC, and so if they canceled Community and replaced it with a middling show. Now I don't hate Whitney at all. I don't mind it at all. Whereas most people hate it. But it's it's very sort of average, and if they replaced it with something like that, I'd be really upset because community is anything but average. It's the only show I know of that literally there was a youthquake. Every every cool, informed young person I know watches community. Every stinking one of them. And I love Abed, what they're doing with Abed and Troy right now. I think it's really clever and interesting and weirdly deep, which is great, and yeah. honest and very, like, Friendship power dynamics can kill. Like, can they just rip people apart? And I, I think that's so interesting, and I like that they're doing that. I don't really like that John Goodman's pulling all the strings, but I do like that they're addressing it. Yeah, his little evil, his little evil actions. I'm, I'm interested to see where Community's going to go, because I've been reading a lot about Chevy Chase lately, because apparently Chevy Chase is like, everyone on the show kind of, hates him but like, they should have known that going in nobody in the history of the world has ever li- ever liked chevy chase yeah i guess but you kind of hope that someone has like chilled out in their old age um but then i read this really fascinating interview with chevy chase where he was talking about the show and how sort of dumb he seems to think it is which was surprising like you know i can understand not necessarily connecting with it the same way everyone else does but he just seemed very dismissive of the show oh but see, here's the thing about that show, and I know to get it launched, he was important because he was the only really big name. I mean, the cool kids know who Joel McHale is, but you know, the the people the people greenlighting the show certainly would. You know, Chevy Chase was the thing, and um, but you know, since day one, I've honestly felt that if they wrote him out, I wouldn't care. Slash, no one would care. Nothing would happen. Yeah, I don't think I'd really care. It, no, nothing would happen. He doesn't do anything. Um, the only thing I'd be bummed about is then I feel like Shirley would have to play uh, yes. slightly out of touch person more often, and I don't really like that. I like when Shirley gets to be an active member of the group. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like when she's part of it. And uh, she said something, I think it was this season, maybe last, where she was like, I'm closer to Jeff's age than, you know, like we forget how old Jeff is. I think her and Jeff are supposed to be like the exact same age. It's just that Jeff looks like Joel McHale. Maybe, yeah, they're they're like they're within a couple of years, certainly, and uh, 
It's but it's yeah, it's easy to forget how old Jeff is and uh Shirley looks older than she is also because I think and they were very on the nose with this in the um the Bar Mitzvah episode, but she does we sort of weirdly conflate her with Oprah, which is so not fair and vaguely racist, but like it's sort of a weird thing that I think audiences have a tendency to do is conflate with whoever they can think of who's like looks even slightly like the person. And because she, in our TV landscape, we really only have one strong black woman, which is really sad. It is. And when I was a kid, I remember like I watched pretty exclusively black shows when I was a kid and I didn't notice. Um, like I watched Sister, Sister was the best show that ever happened. And Fresh Prince was on right after Sister, Sister. And I watched the Hughleys, and I watched the Parkers, and I watched Girlfriends. And, like, I watched all of basically everything that was on UPN. And I didn't notice. And for some reason, they're all on BET now, which is alienating and not, like, it's, it's not helpful at all. Yeah. And... Yeah, and I think that's really weird that because that was happening in the '90s, and we seem to have gone weirdly backwards. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because um, I kind of got into this in my Mad Men review this week, but I just like I'm kind of shocked by the dearth of black characters on mainstream shows. I mean, obviously you have your exceptions, like anything that Shonda Rhimes puts out. Um, but even then, her main characters are all white. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a bummer. Like. One of the things I really like about Brad on Happy Endings is that, like, his race is both a thing and not a thing. Yeah. But I've been watching a lot of British TV lately, and I was watching it with my parents before I moved out to L.A., and they were always, like, amazed by that they just had black characters and they didn't make a thing about it. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, this la-la-la. Um, whereas, like, I feel like that very rarely happens. I guess Cam- uh, Camille Cam on Bones is really the only one I can think of. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and and Cece um, is Indian, and that's nice. She didn't even realize until this most recent episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't really know she was Indian. I sort of just, I don't know. But like, I don't really pay much attention. But um, yeah. So she she's sort of one of those characters where, like, yeah, I think it's funny when Schmidt makes a thing of it because, you know, it does come up in real life. So ignoring it is dumb. It's sort of like um, when there's a whole thing Glad talks about where they write. There, there's two major types of gay characters on TV, the ones who are crazy stereotypes and the ones who are written as straight characters and then just told that they're gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of like a Jack McPhee thing. Mm-hmm. And it's irresponsible in either direction. You have to Jack sort of... Jack McPhee especially. He was yeah. literally written as a straight guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you sort of have to... Uh, you know, you have to acknowledge stuff like that and then not care about it. And, yeah. you know, CC, I think they're doing a really good job... I don't think they we it should be a thing that we acknowledge that they're doing a really good job. Um, I wish we didn't have to. Like I wish that wasn't something that I'm like, oh, that's noteworthy that these characters aren't all white. Exactly. And what and what's interesting, I was talking a little bit earlier about Little Mosque on the Prairie, which just ended. Um, oh, I guess it was before the recording started, which just ended in Canada, and that was the big thing that was cool about Little Mosque. It wasn't a very well written show, um, with the exception of the occasional episode written by Rob Sheridan, who I love. But it was, like, it was just, it was a show about Muslim characters. And most of the show was about, like, I don't know, their wedding plans and when the plumbing breaks. And, like, it was just dumb, like, super average, mediocre, just, like, boring TV. 
Uh-huh. And the characters, you know, and I mean, one of the female characters, uh, Rayanne, was a feminist in a hijab. And it was just like something that was just there and it wasn't a big deal. And it was sort of really cool. And Canada's really good about that. Um, but it's interesting because Canada, Canada's TV just isn't as good as America's. So it's sort of a weird toss up. Which That's is sort sad. of where I feel like we're getting with gay characters, where like we're able to have characters that are just gay and go about their lives. Like it's not I mean, Max is funny because he's crazy on happy endings, but he's also just happens to be gay, so like he has male love interests and I watch a lot of shows that are probably too young for me and on those that tends to be the uh, the way that the younger generation is dealing with issues of sexuality. Like it's just like, oh, they're gay. I mean with the exception obviously of Glee where it's like oh. the- they talk about glee okay because ryan murphy just has the biggest hang-ups in the world and like everybody is a stereotype in some way they're they've got token characters like every every person is representative of their one little group like poor Artie has the weight of every disabled person on his shoulders i know and like they didn't even choose a disabled actor so like it's just not fair and is is you, know, you, you can't write good characters when those characters are responsible for every single person who looks even remotely like them in the entire world. It's not fair. Which is why Kurt turns into gay Jesus. Like yeah, exactly. Like he can't be bad ever. He can't make bad. I mean, he did in the first season. He was kind of a jerk, but after since then, he he has to be the one who like says you know no no violence blah 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 because you know yeah exactly. Well, and, and that was something interesting. I don't know if you watch. You probably don't. Actually, you definitely don't. But Survivor this year was really interesting because they had this gay character who was, and I mean, he's a real person, obviously. <laughs> I said character. But, like, he is over the top. He's the definition of bitchy. Like, he's just a stereotype, except he's not just a stereotype. He's a bad guy. And he's not a bad guy on a tiny, like, survivor villain level where they always accuse people of being bad people because they're good strategists and they're stabbing you in the back because that's the game. This guy is literally a terrible person. Like, he he decided he hated Bill because he was a stand-up comedian and he thought he should go get a real job. And he doesn't associate with poor people in real life, so why should he here? And, like, he's just a bad dude. And it's one of those weird things where, on one hand... It's kind of great that it's not, or that like Survivor would let the gay character be that bad because there are bad people of every single kind in the whole world. Yeah. That said, there are definitely people because it goes out to the whole to the whole American country, and there are people in places where that's just super unhelpful to have someone who can then be taken as a representative, even though that's ridiculous that they should be. Yeah. That's kind of where I go back and forth on Glee. Like, I, as a liberal Massachusetts, born and bred, like, you know, I just don't care about sexuality or your race or anything like that. Like, I'm just, you know, I just don't care. Um, But at the same time, there's a part of me that doesn't begrudge the show for turning Kurt into gay Jesus and, you know, like... actively working against stereotypes in a way that makes it just, like, uh, inauthentic. Um, Because, you know, random people in tiny little towns in Ohio and, I don't know, why is Ohio my go-to Hick state? Um, (laughs) Alabama are now watching this and getting to see at least something that says more. So, I don't know, I always go back and forth on this whole idea that, like, whether or not 
some of our shows have a responsibility to show socially responsible representations of minority groups or if I just want good characters mostly I just want good characters but yeah sometimes I- well and I think I think the difference is I think and this was something that came up um, when the Cosby show was on was that they were the only black family on TV and well they were certainly the most prominent and so a lot of people said that it was their responsibility to represent the black community in America and they certainly didn't I mean they're they, it was a doctor and a lawyer and they're privileged kids and uh, and the idea or of that is ridiculous because there are people who are like the Cosbys. Certainly, they weren't the average in the '80s, but they or now really, but they they exist, and I think it's ridiculous to make them responsible for that. And that problem would go away the more people like them that are on TV. So I think that if the television industry was more representative of the people who are really out there, then they could be representative of the people who are really out there and they could be comfortable writing a gay character who's evil. Well, not evil, obviously, because that's simplistic, but, you know, who has flaws and all this stuff. And they could, and also the ones who are good and, well, I mean, the fundamental goodness, things like that. And they wouldn't be scared to write characters who are layered and yeah. complex and interesting, and if there are enough of them, then it's a wash. There's a sort of sense of just like you and I ness that the people in the crazy haha <laughs> Ohio towns will sort of see and just be like, okay, so it's not a thing. Because I think I don't I don't think that the attitude that needs to change is that all gay people are good or all black people are good. I think the attitude that needs to change is towards who cares? Which I think yeah, and that's kind of how I felt watching British TV. Like oddly enough, and I really hate saying that because it's so cliche to be like, "Well, the British do it better." But in terms of like race and sexuality, they kind of do. Like some characters just happen to be black and just happen to be gay, and it's not that they never talk about it because that would be stupid. But it's that like they then are allowed to be fourteen other different kinds of things. Exactly. Exactly. It. I mean, it's sort of odd to me that. Gay is an adject- like a main adjective of a character when straight isn't. Yeah. Um, and I and they should be on the same level of interesting, meaning not. Um, and you know, it's it's just sort of that's one of those weird. But it's sort of um, like it's sort of like in literature, there's the everyman, and if you, if you don't, you, there, it's getting better, but there isn't so much a concept of the every woman. Um, so you start with a sort of mid-30s white guy and that's your baseline and then you build on top of that and that's a weird attitude that just needs to go away. Yeah. I'd agree with that. But Anyway, we're at 103 now so we should probably... We didn't really talk about community that much but that's okay. We got into like a really interesting societal conversation there. Well, that's good. Our next one maybe will go even deeper into society ripping apart themes there you go well we have a multi-nation conversation that's true i didn't mean for that to rhyme that was dreadful but um, anyway so thank you for calling in rachel and this was actually rate everyone this was rachel's idea to redo the podcast and i think it's really fun so yeah hopefully people made it through it (laughs) Well, I'm sure it was fascinating. Anyway, so we will talk to you soon. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys.
Thanks for being here.